Would you like to give a shout out to your dad for my new show? Yeah, I'd love to. Hey, dad, keep flying high. Love ya. G'day, dad. G'day to my old man. G'day, dad. Hey, dad. Hello, dad. Who is in heaven? Hi, dad. Do you want to say hi to your dad? Hi, dad. Hey, dad. Hello, dad. Hey, dad. Hello, dad. Thanks for everything, dad. Hi, dad. Hello, pop. Happy birthday, dad. Hi, dad. How's it going, dad? Thanks, dad. Hello, papa. Oi, Dave, you old bastard. Hey, dad. Hello, dad. Uh, I hope you're well. Uh, I, I love you. Hey, dad. Hey, dad. Hi, dad. Where the hell are you? G'day, dad. Hey, dad. Hello, everybody. It's 7.30pm and you're tuned to Sid Nation, which means Father Figures is back for another episode of Dad This and Dad That. I'm Victor and like always, I am very, very excited for a very big show. So it will be an informative, fun and, and hopefully humorous look at Father Figures or as we've coined them on this show, Father Figures. I use terms like dad and father a lot during the show and, and during the week um, sort of I was always thinking how can I sh- shake it up with a few more dad synonyms uh, so I was thinking how about old man how about popper pa daddy pop sire dada patriarch um, yeah so I think I'm gonna have to stick with dad for this episode for me those other terms are you know, usually said by a young child learning to talk, hey, dada, hey, daddy. And, you know, I've always thought of pop sort of as a as a reference to maybe grandfathers and, and you know, the Aussie slang old man is, is maybe just a little offensive for some of those dads that aren't actually that old. And as, as for the others, way too formal. I think patriarch refers to biblical fathers of the human race, you know, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the three patriarchs of Israel, so uh, you don't call your old man patriarch or sire, and you should probably call your old man dad. So jump on facebook.com slash figures and let me know of some dad nicknames that I could use throughout the show so I don't have to keep saying dad and father. Anyway, on tonight's show, we'll be discussing working dads and how fathers balance earning money and their own family life, especially dads who need to travel for work. So I'm fascinated to get to this later on the show. Um, you know, as a good father, you want to be there for your kids, but on the same page, having a family is expensive. Ask any dad, I'm sure they'll tell you. So I did, and I asked two dads about how they manage their professional lives and dadhood and find out the positive impact kids can have on giving a perspective of a healthy work-life balance. Also speak to Gus, whose father is a pilot, and this means his dad spends a lot of time away from home flying planes. I also love getting you know the children's perspectives on their upbringings, and because at the end of the day, they're the best judges on what makes a good dad. And I also chat to Colin, who is part of a great organisation called The Fathering Project, about the resources that are available for dads to better understand balancing work, travel, and most importantly, being a good dad. So stay tuned and we'll, we'll cover all of that working dads topic in more depth and we'll enjoy our regular segments. Unfortunately, uh, there is so much to cover that I've decided to leave out my dadvertising segment, but, but I promise next week I'll be back with a very humorous look at dads in ads. And always, if you miss an episode, please catch the podcast on sin.org.au, Facebook or iTunes. Just search Father Figures, and it was lovely to see during the week a video do the rounds online of a young boy giving his stepdad a proposal for adoption. Uh, It's a Boy card had the stepdad slightly freaking out. His partner was pregnant, but found out it was actually his stepson asking him to be legally adopted. So it was very heartwarming stuff, and, and you could check out more of the stepdad discussion, which was last week's theme in the podcast. Plenty to get to, so let's see which dad's are making ways in tonight's bulletin. Your TV program, My Life is Faith, I can make a fresh start. Dad news! Dad news! It's time for Dads in the News. 
continuing on our political data affairs from last week, this time on the other side of the world. Vladimir Putin, Russia's action man president, has been flexing his muscles during a holiday in Serbia. The father of two daughters was seen sunbaking, fishing, scuba diving and humming along in a boat in the Serbian mountains. A spokesperson said Vladimir Putin spent two hours hunting a pike while spearfishing. I think he got it in the end. So that's a true dad venture. And it's actually still unclear if he's a single dad. He divorced his wife a few years ago. Um, and I was having a look online whether he's found a new partner. And it's rumoured the Russian macho man is dating Alina Kabiva. And she's a former Olympic gymnast and a convicted drug cheat. But I don't think Vladimir would call it cheating. Uh, Russia's always had a bit of a thing with Olympic drug cheats. And secondly, back in Melbourne, a dad has put on his Sherlock Holmes hat and attempted to solve a Brighton beach mystery. His 16-year-old son went for a recovery session there last weekend after pulling up sore from a game of footy. And after a quick stint in the freezing cold water, he emerged covered in blood with tiny little wounds. Uh, are there piranhas in Brighton Beach? Maybe the leeches have migrated from the Otway rainforests. Uh, the medical staff at Dandenong and Sandringham hospitals were completely stumped by the case. So Dad went to the beach armed with a pool net, some steak and a wetsuit. He got an esky full of these creepy creatures and filmed them devouring the red meat. His son was still in hospital last Sunday as the doctors struggled to contain the bleeding and Dad is hoping a marine expert will come forward and analyse the flesh-eating sea lice. The mystery is still unsolved at this stage. And finally, in sport, if you could call it that, a dad has been a last-minute substitution for his son in a Rocket League regional final. Now, for those of us who are unaware, Rocket League is a popular PlayStation game and there happens to be a big tournament in Philadelphia at the moment. And one of the competing teams lost one of their players, and that's where Dad steps in. He got the late call-up to play with his son. He didn't have long to learn the controls and looked exactly what a dad would look like learning to play a computer game, struggling to work out how to drive the car whilst, also, whilst the other players zipped around. Listen to his jubilated post-match interview courtesy of CSN. This is great. All right, guys, well, we're here with actually uh, Toxic and uh, Dad son team right nick josh uh first of all nick let's start with you you are a hit right now online <laughs> on twitch the nbc sports app nbcsports.com how fun was that teaming up with your son it was awesome it really was one of the best father-son experiences i've ever had walk us through that goal and the feeling that you got it was pretty cool it was pretty cool i've done a lot of crazy things in my life and uh this is definitely one of them that was just awesome was a pretty cool moment. A lot of guys, you know, a lot of fathers, sons, they get to play sports or they go fishing. I play with my kids all the time. Yeah. This was pretty cool on a stage here in front of uh, thousands of people, and you guys got to enjoy yourselves. Guys, congratulations, and uh, we'll see you down the road. I love him like Thank a son. You, <laughs> you should love him like a son. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that great? Uh, I'm not sure PlayStation game is classified as a sport, but I've let it slide for this week for the sake of a lovely father-son moment. I'm not, still not sure why he chose his dad to play and he didn't have a more tech-savvy millennial friend at hand. But hey, the dad scored a goal, even if it was in reverse. So that's dad news and let's get to our first daddy track. I've gone with Will Smith. Uh, he's put a spin on Bill Withers' classic track, Just the Two of Us. But instead of singing about the love between a couple like the original Will Smith raps about fatherhood in an emotional ode to his eldest son. Hello, this is Sin National Radio. I'm Cedric, I'm age 92, and I'm Victor's dad's dad. Unfortunately, I don't have the rights to podcast the music I play on Sin Nation. I guess that just means you'll need to listen live every Wednesday from 7.30pm for all the wonderful dad tracks. Just stream it at sin.org.au or listen on your digital radio.
I like it. That was Will Smith with Just the Two of Us. And you're back on Sin Nation listening to Father Figures. That one had me bopping along. And a little dad fact about that track. Will Smith originally wrote a children's book with the same words, but decided to also turn it into the rap that we just heard. So let's jump into tonight's theme of working dads and balancing being a father and earning the cheddar. So why this topic? Uh, Dads aside, I think it's really relative aspect of any family. We all know how expensive kids are, and I must admit, I probably took it for granted a little bit growing up. Sorry, mum and dad. But if you want to support your children properly, you're going to have to have an income of some sort. And, you know, that means either the mum or the dad needs to spend time away from home working. Well, in most cases, anyway. And so I was reading about a study that came out earlier this year with some interesting results which made me want to bring the topic to life on the show. So the Australian National University researched 3,000 working fathers through the perspective of their children. And so the study asked these kids whether they thought their dad worked too much, basically. And a touch over a third said yes. So that's 1,000 of the 3,000 saying yes, their dads work too much. And 7% of the kids even said they, and I quote, spent nowhere near enough time with their dad. And, and when asked as well, the fathers admitted, uh, over half the fathers admitted to missing out on family events. So, you know, this work-life balance can be a problem for lots of families. And I guess society is evolving and it's no longer the traditional viewpoint that the dad earns all the money while the mum stays home and looks after the kids. But this is still a reality for a lot of families because someone needs to be the breadwinner. And, you know, each family will have different dynamic that will suit them. Some parents will both work part-time. They'll be stay-at-home mums, stay-at-home dads, single parents. But if you are working, how do you get the right mix? Uh, A Herald Sun survey found that 40% of families are paying equal or more than their mortgage uh, towards childcare per week. So, you know, sometimes it's more feasible for one parent to stay home whilst the other works. I think the Australian Bureau of Statistics say that 90% of dads with kids under 15 are employed compared to 65% of mums. But I guess the traditional family arrangements are slowly becoming a thing of the past. So how how do you judge a good father? It's no longer the one who earns the most money for his kids, but you know it's not necessarily the one who is the most hands-on and spends the most time. I guess each family probably has the right to judge their own dad and that's how it goes. So I got my first dad into the studio last week and quizzed him about how his family has shaped his career and how his career has shaped his family. So Ross is a media guru and worked in public relations and as a journalist. He's been a business traveller throughout his career, moving all over the country for work and even to Canada where he met his wife. And he was the sole breadwinner for lots of the children's upbringing. So let's have a listen to how he approached balancing work and having a family. Yeah, just so just give me a little bit of background of, you know, your career and then when starting a family came into that. Sure. Um, so right from the get-go, you know, I've been a business traveller through my professional career and my wife understood that given that we met um, when I was travelling myself. And we had, we moved around quite a lot, um, not business travel, but you know, working for a resource company. You know, um, I started off at uh, the Port Kembla Steelworks, then moved to Wyala in South Australia, and that was probably a challenge for my wife. You know, moving from Canada to Sydney or or Wollongong is uh, is one thing, um, but you know, quite cosmopolitan up there. But a couple of uh, months after she moved to Australia to be with me, we moved into we moved to Wyala in the middle of the desert in South Australia, and that that was challenging um, for us. Um, but she stuck with me through that, and I thought, well, she's going to stick with me living in the desert in a resource <laughs> town. She's probably a keeper, and that was pretty true. We'll be still married after twenty six years, um, and then we moved to back to to Victoria, which is where we started my family um but continued after i you know after we had my first daughter um bhp were asking me to uh work up in new south wales a couple of days a week whilst i was still in 
living in Melbourne with with my family and a young daughter down there. Um, so so that was difficult with a young family. But you know, if you're away for a couple of days, you get back. You, you miss your family. You miss your kids. In and you know, I think you probably put extra time into. To, to being with them and of course you know when they're little you can't have a chats on the phone so much um but then after you know we had a second child moved to to sydney which is where i moved to to optus and that's when um i got involved in a lot of business travel around australia in fact some weeks you know i was on a plane six o'clock monday morning heading to sydney and then full days of meeting and heading up to brisbane heading over to perth the next day heading to to, to Adelaide and I did that for a couple of years and with young children that was you know I just felt that was unsustainable and there were a few issues that I was facing at work um, that I wasn't really comfortable with I had children who were coming out and I caught my el- well, my youngest daughter um, coming out one day when she thought I was away and, and came out and pointed the, to the phone and said dad 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 pointing at the phone and that's when it really got me and I thought hmm there's got to be a better way. Mm-hmm. And what was the uh, better way? Was that leave that job and then... Yeah, look, I, I, I had quite a senior job in industry by, by that stage. Um, you know, had the leased car and, and, and you know, all the trappings that, that comes with that. But, but I really didn't have a personal life. I, I didn't feel like I had the time to spend with with my children. My, my wife stayed home with those. Um and, and I'd had this urge for some time because my father was a teacher, so was my mum. My uncles and aunties were pretty much all teachers as well. I'd already started doing postgraduate qualifications because I thought that maybe some down, somewhere down the track I would like to become an academic. And um, that stood me in good stead. And, um, you know, I applied for a job at, uh, at Deakin um, and, and got the job. Ironically, though, we were living in the northern suburbs of Melbourne and my first job as an academic was in Geelong at the campus down there, so I had a bit of travel to do. But being an academic, you can um, work from home quite often. Um, and I guess by that time I had the opposite. I found a couple of hours in a car by myself driving down to Geelong <laughs> wasn't such a bad thing. I could listen to what I wanted to on the radio and I didn't have to stop at McDonald's every five minutes or so. <laughs> Therapeutic a bit. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And did your uh, kids or your wife ever tell you that you're working too much? Uh, absolutely. You know, when <laughs> I had my industry jobs, I was, uh, you know, I had pretty full-on jobs doing, um, you know, I was on call for the media, so I remember... One particular instance where I'd been working probably, you know, solidly just about every day, you know, 12-hour days for a couple of weeks and then, you know, promised them that on Saturday we'd go to the zoo and um, we were almost about to get in the car and then I got a call from, I think it was uh, Channel 7 saying we need to comment on this, we'll be around at your house in two hours' time for that. Um, And because of my job, I couldn't really say no and, and, you know, that... That was gut-wrenching for me at the time. Um, and, uh, you know, I think other family members made their displeasure known. So do you think that whole attitude change um, towards your work um, when you left that, you know, senior position was to do with becoming a father or it was a lot a lot of factors, but was that a factor or the main factor? Do you yeah, think? look, there were definitely a lot of factors, um, but that was probably at the top of the list. I mean, you know, it was around that time I think I heard somebody say, you don't get to your deathbed and wish you'd spent more time in the office. And, and that's really stuck with me. Um, you know, and I think so often we fool ourselves saying that, look, you know, I've got this senior job or, you know, I'm doing it for the money. Um, I'm, uh, you, you know, I'm away from the family, but it's really all for them because those financial resources and, you know, it's be able to send them to school, they'll have better clothes, they'll have a better better life. I'm not sure that's the case. Um, you know, it's a truism that, you know, money doesn't bring happiness. And, and I've been lucky in my life to actually find out that that is ac- absolutely true. When I reflect that I left industry, 
um, left a fairly senior job and became an academic and um, purposely didn't apply for promotion because, you know, I didn't want more responsibilities. I didn't want to fall back into that trap of getting into another workplace and then going for promotion to get a little bit more pay because I was lucky enough in my, you know, early 30s to find that, you know, the change in circumstances and the change in jobs, I loved them both. Um, and it really didn't matter how much they paid. I mean, I th- found that there is more to life than than working and having, um, you know, a, a well-paying job. And look, you know, of course, I'm, I'm, you know, everyone needs money to put, you know, food on the table and, and a roof over their head and to be comfortable and to have a nice lifestyle. I completely understand that. But there's a point where more money does not compensate for a lack of a life. I mean, you know, the difference between an $800 suit and a $3,000 suit is, you know, not much except for the $2,500 extra <laughs> that you're, you're paying for it. Um, uh, you know, there was one organisation that I worked for that, that you know, there, it was, you know, a bit of a boys' club and the biggest, the person with the biggest cross pen in their pocket <laughs> you know, w- w- was sort of, you know, the king of the room. I mean, so that was crazy. People were going out and spending thousands and thousands of dollars on, on, on pens. I mean, you know, it doesn't take long. You know, if you get sucked into that, that things bring you happiness, it's all lost. I mean, you know, so, you know, no regrets for me. I'm, I'm really glad that I broke out of that cycle. Um, I'm glad that I had seen that. I had a, had a wonderful time in industry. Um, I really enjoyed my my time. I think it's really important for people to enjoy their jobs. But kids grow up so quickly. Just don't miss the opportunity to be with them and to enjoy the moment. I mean, you know, the photos of them are going to mean little if you're just looking back and these people in these photographs are going to be strangers. I think I mentioned it before that, you know, no one, you know, I don't think anyone is going to get to their deathbed and, and wish they'd spent more time in the office or had a more expensive car or a newer car. I mean, when you look back on your life, what do you think about right now? And I think for most of it, it's those fun times that we've had with family, with friends. It's not, you know, that great report that I put together or, you know, that, that big sale that I made. I mean, that might give you some satisfaction, might have, you know, helped along the way. But, you know, spend time on the things that really matter to you. Thanks, Ross. Some uh, interesting changes he had throughout his working life. Uh, I think we should get straight into our second dad on the show and see if they have a similar outlook. Uh, Sean is also a career-driven person who was working and still is working in the media. He's a political and health journalist for the Australian newspaper. And I guess working as a journalist can mean travelling for stories and and working late to reach deadlines uh, So Sean met the love of his life in his mid-20s and started a family soon after they got married, which may be a bit earlier than some of his peers. And I got in touch with Sean over the phone after reading an article he wrote about his approaches to parenting and the balancing act that comes with it. So let's have a listen. Mm. So how how hard is it to try and... Was it for you to try and get that... uh, balance I guess of, of you know finishing work early or not working so much especially being yeah, a career driven person yeah well the problem with with um, being in the media is that there's always news happening and then the more smartphones we get and the more social media we get there's always something trickling through so in theory you could you could work as a journalist 24 hours a day um, and there's always things I could be doing at work but it it was a sort of an unusual um, chain of events where um, I found myself in, in a more senior position and and I decided it wasn't working for me and I went to leave my current job altogether. And uh, thankfully, my employer said, well, we don't want you to leave. Um, what do you want out of, out of this? And I said, well, I don't want to be on that path. I still want to be a journalist and I want to work incredibly hard, um, but I want some more regular hours. And... and you know, we came to an agreement where instead of, you know, 8 o'clock, 8.30, 9 o'clock at night, uh, 
I could draw a rough line in the sand of about six o'clock. And that became my, uh, I guess, that became the line at the end of the day that I, I tried to keep to and I tried to keep them to, um, which which is difficult because you, when you're a journalist, you can't control uh, what news is happening. You can't control when people will respond to your questions. Um, and, you know, often I've had to, to push that line. But it was about sort of setting a line um, there that I could try and work to and I could give the, I guess, the family a sense of, okay, you know, Dad normally tries to finish around six. Um, it's not, you know, it's no longer the excuse of or the reason of, uh, you know, things are happening and I've got to be there. Um, it's Dad. Dad tries to get home um, when he finishes at six, and uh, it's it's been tricky enforcing that, but it's it's been so so good to be home, um, you know, for quite a few years now and get in early enough that I'm still a part of the end of the day and and then I'm part of, you know, everyone getting ready for bed um, and just, just trying to connect. That's, I guess that's the other thing with, with parenting. You can, you can be there but not be there. You can be there but uh, you can think you, you'll do some work while you're at home and just being there is important when you're not really connecting. Um, I mean, even now I have, I have conversations with, with the kids and they'll be telling me something and uh, I really make an effort um, to understand and and get involved. And it has to be a conscious thing sometimes, you know. I'll be listening and then I'll think, hang on, I'm not really listening to this. Um, listen a bit harder. Um, or I, I don't really understand this. I, who said what to who? What, what are you upset about? And I'll really try and, you know, connect a little bit more and actually understand um, and... Um, and it pays off. I mean, I'm genuinely interested in everything that my kids do. And I find that them knowing that is really important. Um, and I couldn't have done that if I, if I was still working, you know, through till, you know, eight, nine o'clock at night. I think you're not defined by your job then. You're defined by your family. I hope so. Yeah. You know, I, I used to define myself by, by, a work accomplishment. There's a, there's a saying in journalism that you're only as good as your last story. Um, and, you know, journos become quite sort of uh, frustrated and impatient if, if they haven't had a good story or hadn't had a good run with a story um, because that's how you define yourself. Um, whereas, you know, increasingly, and especially in the last couple of years, I'll define myself if I've had a good if I've had a good day or a good conversation or a good moment um, with the family, uh, my you know the best thing that's happened to me, um, and I I still get kind of giddy thinking about it, is the most simple thing that's happened in our family that my son met some kids in the street and they hang out and they hang out for a long time and they enjoy each other company and they and they're great together, and to me, you know, seeing that and being part of that. Um, it's just been the most beautiful thing. Now I can have a front page story in the Australian um, or a couple of front page stories and that won't compare to, to knowing that that my son's made a new batch of friends outside school and and uh, they're getting on and they're doing great things and, and that'll serve him well. You know, it's you know, it's really sort of looking for value in things and experiences and conversations that, that you might not have realised are there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, you lost your father at a young age. So how do you yep. think that sort of impacted your own approaches to your dadhood? Yeah, I, you know, losing my dad was something that I probably only started thinking about when I became a dad. Um, I was lucky growing up, um, my mum became the dad. You know, she'd be standing on the sidelines of the football game yelling at me or yelling at someone else or whatever, um, <laughs> you know, screaming, go, Shawnee, go whether that was embarrassing or not. Um, but she took on that role. And so I didn't, I didn't feel that I lost anything growing up. Um, but once I got married and once I had kids, I think the first thing I noticed was I'd never seen conflict in the household uh, and how it's resolved. I'd never seen two adults at different stages of the day or in different moods um, interacting and so when I was in, in 
when I was married, that was the first thing that I, I was learning myself. I'd never seen that um, in person. And and then when it came to fatherhood and having our two, um, I had nothing to go on. You know, I had nothing to go on in terms of the relationship. Um, naturally, I did the bad jokes and I, I, I tried to be a really, um, I guess, for want of a better word, uh, cuddly, sensitive dad. Um, you know, I'd sing my son to sleep when he was a when he was a baby, and that just became my thing. That I'd go in every night and and sing him to sleep. Um, but I had nothing to base that on, and I was still doing things like a young adult man, um, and just expecting it all to sort of revolve around me somehow, and that that it would fit. Um, but maybe I didn't realise how much work you had to put into it, and I loved it. There's never been a time in my life that I haven't wished I had kids um, or I haven't wished I was married, happily married, 15 years. Kids are happy, healthy, and I'm so blessed. Um, but it's been a it's been a work in progress, and, and uh, I love it. Um, and I and it's only now that I wonder what I may have missed as a kid without a dad. Um, but that doesn't mean I've, I've lost anything. It just means that um, it's more important for me to be to be there for my kids. Hi, this is Luke's father, and you're listening to Father Figures on Sin Nation. Unfortunately, I don't have the rights to podcast the music I play on Sid Nation. I guess that just means you'll need to listen live every Wednesday from 7.30pm for all the wonderful dad tracks. Just stream it at sin.org.au or listen on your digital radio. That was the lovely Fleetwood Mac with Oh Daddy from their Rumours album, which is an absolute winner. We're halfway, we're just over halfway through the hour on Father Figures, and I'm, I'm loving being with you all on Sin Nation, and I think we better get a move on, because there's still more, two more interesting people to hear from. Um, but we have heard from two working dads uh, who have both had jobs in the high-pressure media industry, and uh, I guess they both had similar realisations that that family does come first, but, you know, work and careers are important, you know, and they can't be completely ignored. But, you know, thanks for Sean and Ross, because that was, that was really good to get that uh, perspective on dads who have been working and in high-pressure uh, areas. I also uh, got in touch with loyal listener and good friend Gus. Uh, his dad has been a pilot all his life, and he was primarily based out of Hong Kong. So that meant he would spend large chunks working away from the family home in Torquay, sometimes months at a time. So whilst Gus and his siblings did go and visit him overseas, they grew up with their legendary mum in Torquay. Have a listen to his perspective on his dad's work. So do you think his attitude, like change to work it doesn't sound like when he became a father it doesn't sound like it. he was sort of committed in that in that role that he was spending a lot of time away i think mum and dad had talked about it we're like yeah work sort of comes first and dad because he does what he loves like he sort of like he's happy to be over there and and flying whereas and that yeah that came to like they, they agreed if she moved back then we like they wouldn't be seeing each other so much and all that Mm-hmm. And what sort of effect do you reckon it had on your mum, him spending so much time away? I don't think them not seeing each other really had a massive effect. Maybe it did. She never said that it has. But her having to deal with three young kids was the biggest effect it had on her. Where she didn't have a guy, like a husband, to tell the kids to maybe quiet down or whatever. She had to do everything herself. Mm-hmm. I think that had the biggest effect on her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in, um, and what about you as a 
you and your two older siblings as the effect it had on you not having your dad around all the time? Um, I, I think because it was my whole life, it didn't, like, I just didn't really think about it. Like, I did think about it sometimes when, like, friends would go out for, like, family dinners or whatever, and we would do it in, like, that people would think it's weird that, like, yeah, dad's not home for your birthday or whatever. But, yeah, because it was, because I was so young when it happened, like, because I, like, I didn't know anything else, it didn't really have an effect on me at all. Yeah, yeah, and do you think it, you know, what about, like, your relationship with your dad? It's always been the same and it hasn't changed because he spent time away. It's definitely changed. We're definitely a lot closer than we were because we didn't really, I suppose we didn't really know each other all that well. And so he, like, sort of knew who I was through seeing me, but then maybe I would try to be a lot nicer around him and everything, whereas mum would have to tell him stories about how big a, <laughs> a turd I am, I guess. <laughs> yeah. But, like, the more you, obviously, the more you see each other, the closer you are. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we are closer now. But then did it, on the other hand, did it make it, like, when you had that time together, it was, like, always, like, quality time because you didn't see each other that much, you know, or? Yeah, it, I guess so. So, like, it, it was quality time. Like, he, if, if he came back, we would probably do something, like. Like there'd be maybe an occasion or something, but I, it always felt pretty um just natural sort of him coming back. It wasn't like a big like, charade, like a hurrah or whatever. I know that you held, or you might still have a solo pilot license. Yeah. Um, you know how motivated were you to follow in your dad's footsteps and become a pilot? And do you still is that something that you're still motivated to do? Or I was extremely motivated. Like it's. I always grew up loving planes. I guess that was because of dad. And <clears throat> I've always been motivated and he's never pushed me ever to become a pilot or anything. And I still like, I still love to fly whenever I can. Even just, even when I go overseas, plane trips, like a very fun part. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm still motivated to fly. Maybe not so much to become a pilot, but to maybe get my private pilot license or something. Mm-hmm. And do you think you're, you know, if you look at the amount of time your dad spent away from home because of becoming a pilot, do you think that, like, influences your decision? Maybe not to become a pilot, but, you know, if you did ever start a family with your work trying to be around more, or you think it's gone the opposite and, you know, you've had a, still got a good relationship, so... Well, that that was one of the reasons I sort of was thinking about not like that's one of the reasons I stopped training to become a pilot was the <clears throat> reality that yeah you, your work would either take you overseas take you interstate and leaving your friends and family behind I couldn't really fathom I couldn't I didn't really want to do so that was a big factor in in not pursuing like aviation you know you can't really uh, link that to the fact that your dad was doing that you know what I mean it's just personality mm-hmm. No, I can't. I can't link it to that. It's because it's because what I want. I guess yeah. it's not because of what I've seen or yeah. what's happened. As you've got older, have you gained like an appreciation of of how you know? Because he, you know, he's been the breadwinner of the family. Have you sort of got more of an appreciation for it? Do you think? Or a hundred percent. I think. Um. Yeah, like he he's, he copped a bit of flack in the in maybe the teen years when we started working out that he was away a lot and that um and mum was mum was doing all the work but then it took us a little while to realise that well we wouldn't have half the life we have without him yeah being the breadwinner and like doing all the work and having to miss out on so much so thanks Gus and and I guess how do you rate what is a good father you know surely it's the dad's kids who have the most authority so you know thanks Gus for the insight into what it was like growing up with a dad who needed to travel for work and I guess uh, for any dads out there or for anybody uh, who would want some help on how to be a better dad and manage spending time away from work 
I also spoke to Colin. Uh, he's our last guest on the show, um, and he's part of the Fathering Project, uh, which is a non-for-profit organisation which is secular inclusive for all dads and father figures. And basically, it aims to help dads be the best parents they can be. So Colin is the national manager of the Fathering Project's schools program. So this basically promotes the role of fathers to the entire school community and dads can connect with each other and have social support groups and access advice on on being the best dads possible. So it's a really great organisation that is sort of providing a lot of information and support for dads centred around their kids' school. So I asked him about the organisation's interesting work and for a bit of dad advice. I just thought we could start off, Colin, with you just telling me a bit about the Fathering Project initiative. The project was started by Professor Bruce Robinson, who is a medical researcher and lung specialist in Western Australia working at the University of WA. He has been involved in um, lung cancer, mesothelioma, asbestosis, some serious diseases of the lung and medical conditions for many years. And he spoke to many men who obviously were in a dire situation and had terminal lung cancer. And when he was counselling them, the majority of those men said three consistent things. Gee, I wish I'd spent more time with my children. I spent too much time at work and my family was more important. Why didn't I spend more time with my family? And it's too late now. You know, Why didn't someone help me before? And, and I wasn't a very good dad because my dad wasn't very good or I didn't know what to do. Why didn't someone help me a little bit with my parenting? So Bruce said, um, oh, look, I'm, I'm, I don't want to hear this anymore. I want to help dads. He did a lot of research into fathering. Um, he wrote books. He interviewed people all over the world and became an expert um, and became West Australian of the Year in 2013 for his work in medical area and fathering. And uh, he now is working to say to dads, don't wait. Um, don't don't uh, have these regrets that these men had. Uh, be the best dad you can be now and we can help you be the best dads through joining these champion dads groups and getting our weekly tips on their phones. Uh, we, can, we send weekly tips out to all our database people and they get a weekly tip on how to be a good dad um, every Monday. Um, and join these groups, in, you know, great networks within your school, dad, champion dads groups, and we've got some terrific groups around doing some fantastic work um, and, and having a lot of fun with their kids. We have some classic cases of fathers who have changed their life completely um, and we're in, we're in a really um, um, serious situation as far as maybe separating from their wife and not having anything to do with their children because they were too busy at work to have any family life. And we've changed their lives to the point where they're now volunteers for us that go in and talk to other dads about, I was a sparky electrician and I was working far too much and my wife was at home with three boys under four and I never saw them. And, and uh, yeah, I had plenty of money and a great house and everything was, that was what I thought I had to do was earn income. And um, that was my role in life. But I've seen listening to Bruce speak at one of his lectures that this um, gentleman that's now one of our presenters, Luke Ballantyne, uh, said that, you know, I had I had my priorities wrong and he changed his, uh, sold his sparky business and uh, became a 40-hour-a-week worker and now couldn't be happier. He, he coaches his children, he goes to their school, um, but still works hard and earns good money, but um, has prioritised his family and his boys, which he nearly lost, his wife and his boys, um, through not realising um, the situation that was in. So if we can help people just stop, be a circuit breaker, think about their life and, and what legacy they want to leave uh, with their children and their family, then I think we're going to do a great service for the community of, you know, in all, across Australia and all the states. What we're trying to do is establish um, social, informal, fun groups for dads uh, based around their school where they can get together um, and have great activities with their own children um, and, but also have evenings together where they can get together, socialise, but also get some information from us on how to be the best dads possible. Also do community groups, sporting groups, and we're just starting and embarking on a new program with the AFL clubs, um, West Coast Eagles, Essendon, and uh, St Kilda are interested in the program. The West Coast Eagles started it last year with their coaching group, 
and talking about their role as fathers, not just as uh, coaches. And they've started to implement strategies like on the first day of school last year, they normally have training around 9 o'clock. They decided to put training off for half an hour or an hour. And so all the dads could take their kids to school on the first day of school, which they, you know, these strategies they hadn't done before, and it helps them be better fathers and better coaches. Um, and then Essendon started the program about a month ago, um, and uh, John Westfold out there, um, I was out there with Professor Robinson, we delivered to their coaching group, and then they're doing something every fortnight now on being the best dads they can be. Um, and I had a meeting with St Kilda this week, and we're hoping to uh, introduce the program. So you know, there's some really good programs, both in the schools, corporate and community sporting groups, uh, which we hope will be really effective going forward. Yeah, I think that um, you know that sporting one's very interesting because the coaches and the players, you know, it's such a high intensity sort of role um, that it's good that they can sort of get some support on their fathering ambitions as well. Correct. Mm-hmm. And what sort of advice could you offer for dads who are struggling to get that uh, work and family life balance right? For, for example, we talk about the travelling dad, or in, especially in West Australia and a lot of other states where there's mining, the FIFO, flying fire-out workers. We give them probably seven key areas to think about. Um, if you want me to cover some of those areas now, I can give you those those are seven key tips that we give um, travelling. A lot of us do travel, whatever we do. We may not, may not be FIFO dads but and travellers, but we do travel within our work and be away from our families. So yeah. while you're away... Um, while you're away, we obviously use technology net these days is a great thing, whether that be FaceTime, Skype or texting to stay in contact with their children. That's number one. Um, I think it's important that the father and, and the mum, but tell tell dad, tell the kids why dad is away, why it's important he has to go away. And, and he might be doing a really important job in the mines, which is going to help you know, supply materials to build schools and roads. And that's really important for society and and for his company, and so the children realise that Dad has to go away, and it's important that he does. Um, but um, the Dad should always know what's happening back at home, you know, what special events happening, first day of school, assemblies, merit certificates the children are receiving, like athletics, carnivals, graduations. So if they are away from those events, um, try and make sure they make contact and recognise those events and and um, say they'd love to be there, but obviously the child understands they can't be, but they, they're interested and the children know that they would be if they could be at that event. Um, send them special messages and also leave special messages. We, we say to dads, before you go on your trip away, write something special on, on a piece of paper or a card and leave it under their pillow or leave it in their toy drawer or leave it somewhere they're going to find it while you're away. And it's got a special message of, um, you know, love from Dad and, you know, miss you and a special message that they, they really feel special when they find it and they know that Dad's thinking of them while he's away. Um, and when when they come back, I think it's critical time too. Um, a lot of Dads come back and they, they they probably try and rule the roost a little bit when they come back and, and that's probably the worst thing they can do. They, they need to chill out a little bit and just because the family's been operating without them and they need to just sit back, relax and just sort of fit back into the family um, um, situation, not come in too hard and strong because the kids have, you know, they don't, don't want to turn the kids off. The kids have been have been away from the dad and they just need to be nice and relaxed when they come back. And I suppose the other one is when they are back, go and do as many things with the kids as they can and often t- teachers um, in West Australia were telling us that some of the FIFO dads, even though they were away a lot, when they were home, they came to the schools more than the dads that were in, in Perth or in the, in the city all the time. So, you know, making that special effort when you come back to, to go to special events, to go to school, to do all those special things with your kids is, is critical. So we sort of focus on those, um, and I'm sure if the dads did most of those, they'd stay well connected with their children and the children would understand while they're away and know that they're loved and Dad knows they're special. Really interesting and powerful stuff, especially I, I found fascinating about how 
and why the organisation was formed. So thanks, Colin. And if anyone wants some advice or to start a dad's group, you can jump online at thefatheringproject.org. And that's not restricted to just working dads. They have a wealth of information on and support for all dads, whether it be single dads, fly-in, fly-out workers, Indigenous fathers, and, you know, even families with absent dads. So it's really been a great theme, a uh, really interesting one. I think, like lots of things, it's going to be different for each family and, and different dads will have different opinions. But I still don't think any dad should underestimate how important it is to spend good quality time with your kids. I know my parents work part-time, and from what I can remember, when Dad was working late, me and my sister, I think she's listening, so she'll remember, using, used to say, one, two, three, come home, Daddy, when we are waiting for him. So, uh, you know, on the same token, though, I do understand that parents need to work, and I think you develop that consideration of the sacrifices and commitments they make with age. Um, our dads on this show have come to the realisation that family is foremost over work, which was, you know, really interesting and and they've been lucky enough to balance this. But on the other hand, some dads can't change their work situation. But I think if you can um, change your work situation to work less and, and be closer to home, I think you should go for it. But, you know, if you can't, uh, you still there's still plenty of opportunity to be a good dad. Um, I'm going to do the dirty and go a little bit over time tonight because I'm not letting you all miss out on our dad joke of the week, dadism and dad fashion. So stick around for about another five minutes. Hey, do you think your dad's funny? No. No. No, no way. Yeah, not really. No. Hey, do you think your dad's funny? Oh, no. Ah, no way. No? No. Not really. (laughs) No. No way. No, no. No. Not particularly. <laughs> does your dad think he's funny? Of course. Yes. Yeah, he really does. Yes, I think he thinks he's hilarious. Yeah, I think so. Yes. Does your dad think he's funny? Yeah, he does. Yes. Yes, he does. Yeah, I reckon. Yep. Doesn't every dad? Yes. Yes. Yes! Is your dad a fashionista? What's that? A fashionista. He loves his fedora. Oh, yes. Aren't they all? He thinks he is. No way. Nah, he dresses lame. Certainly not. No way, Jose. Jeans and joggers every day. A Crocs cool? Hell no. He tries to be. Oh, he thinks he does. No. Does your dad say things that annoy you? Every day. Almost every day. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, what? Oh, yes, actually, quite regularly. Yeah. Every day. Always. Yes. Uh, does your dad say things that annoy you? Yeah, quite regularly. Yeah. Yes. Yes! Yes! <laughs> yes. Every day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes! 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 <laughs> so, no dad really um, gets a good rap on that. That intro, and also no dad escapes these questions when they come onto my show, so let's hear what uh, Ross and Sean had to say. I've got my three uh, hard-hitting questions that every dad uh, who comes on Father Figures gets asked. So, right, I'm bracing myself. Yes, so your uh, go-to uh, dad joke. Oh, that's a, that's a really tough one, and it's probably one that I learnt off my children that I keep repeating, and that's what's brown and sticky. Oh, what's that? A stick. Oh, that's not bad. That, it's pretty dad. It, it, it is very dad joke, <laughs> it, absolutely. It's, it's weird, I've been using some of the dad jokes so often that now I'm tiring of them. I think they have like maybe a 10-year uh, lifespan. Um... Whenever my wife asks in the household, uh, what have you got on today? I'll say uh, shirt, pants, uh, underwear, socks, shoes. And I say that instinctively every time. Um, my daughter will say, um, she'll say a sentence, and if it's not literally, she'll say actually. And I interpret that as Ashley. And I say, well, what's Ashley got to do with it? And, you know, the more you say that, the more it's not funny, but that, that makes it funny, so you just keep saying it. Um, 
But it's little things like that that I think it's my role to be annoying. Yeah. Sometimes. And what about? And what about a dadism? A little some sort of dad saying that um, really maybe triggers the other family members. Well, I've, I've found myself. I mean, this is where work and family combine, and it still doesn't make sense. Um, so I'm the health editor, and if my kids are sick or they wake up feeling sick, um, I'll say, "Have a glass of water," or "Have you sat on the toilet?" Um, and that's my response to pretty much everything. You know, my my daughter could be lying there with a appendicitis, and I'll say, "Have you had a glass of water? Have you had enough? Uh, have you had enough to drink? Bet you haven't had any water today." Yeah. Well, I think that's no a, really, at all. a really good one. I think um, I've got some memories of my dad saying, have you drunk enough? That's, a, that's very good. Thinking back to my childhood, my, probably my dad's was, you know, were you born in a tent, close the door, we've got a big open plan house, so that's not me. I'm probably more just, you know, who, who left on the bloody lights, <laughs> um, particularly with energy costs as they are at the moment, um, coming home, and no one's home, but the house is... You could probably see it from uh, the International Space Station. It'd be lit up so well. So, yeah, I'm forever complaining about turning yep. off the lights would probably be my dadism. Have you, yeah, have you got all the LEDs? Have you replaced all of them? Oh, some of them I have, <laughs> and then some of I haven't. But, of course, I've replaced them all. So I spe- expect all the family to know the slight hues or the hues of an LED as opposed to an incandescent so of course everyone knows that don't they so when they've got the incandescents on and not the LEDs you know why have you got that on yeah well yeah so I know when I moved into my uh, house dad came up with all the LEDs to get get the house going Um, dad fashion any uh, guilty dad fashion oh look I see I'm I don't like spending money, and so I don't necessarily like buying buying clothes. And you know, even the other day, my daughter and we were getting along particularly well. And she obviously thought we were getting along so well that she could look at me and say, "Look at what you're wearing. Do you really think that matches?" And and then, as we're going around, she'd you know ask ask mum, "Look at what dad's wearing. Do you really think that works?" And I didn't have any other option but to wear that. It's the it's the shirt that might be getting a bit old and might be a little bit tight in the middle and and, and the pants. Um, so that's how they see me. I still wear shorts and I, I think I'm 40 so I can keep wearing shorts for probably another 30 years. Um, <laughs> now it's my turn. So um, let's get that theme music back to play me out. So dad jokes. I've got three with a similar theme and... Uh, they're definitely dad shockers, but they're also the kind of dad jokes that you pretend aren't funny when he tells you, when your dad tells you, but afterwards you go and repeat them to your friends as your own. So, what do you call a guy with no arms and no legs in the ocean? Bob. <laughs> what do you call a man with no arms and no legs in a pile of leaves? Russell. And what do you call somebody with no body and no nose? Well, nobody knows. So there we go. And my dadism, seeing as we're in a very cold Melbourneian winter right now, I think the one, this one's pretty fitting. It's Sunday night on the couch, wanting the heater turned up or on at least. So uh, dads often say, if you're cold, go and put a jumper on. I find that one a classic. And uh, lots of dads are pretty guilty of this. And maybe I'm getting old or this show's doing funny things to me but I sort of tend to agree with the dads on this one and dad fashion um, the overwhelming responses to dad fashion from all the dads on this show is that they genuinely consider comfort to be a key factor in how they dress and you know dads just want to be comfortable and I can't blame them maybe they should all get into radio because I'm wearing an outfit dedicated to comfort right now and and you know no one would be the wiser until I just let the ball slip but speaking of comfort tonight's piece of dad fashion is an item that has been an absolute staple for dads for a long time I've sort of been keeping this one to bust out on the show for a while and that's white new balances you know I've owned a pair in my early teens and I can unfortunately personally vouch for their comfort and I can also tell you they're not a great look um, 
And if you want to see the white New Balances with jeans out in force, go attend a sporting match. This seems to be the place where you can catch the biggest collection of dads wearing these runners in one place. You know, they rock the blue jeans, hoisted up by a belt, so they don't hide any of the pure white glory that is New Balance runners. Um, so keep keep presenting those sneens, Dad. Dads, we love you for them. And uh, I guess that's it for another wonderful episode of Farter Figures. Thanks for everyone who's tuned in. Sorry I've gone a bit late. And even bigger thanks to everyone involved in this week's topic. Really appreciate it and, and really enjoyed it. Um, jump on Facebook, sin.org.au or iTunes to check out the show online or to hear anything you've missed. Just search Farter Figures and that's spelt like fart. I'll be back 7.30 next Wednesday evening for another wonderful hour. You can get in touch on my social media if you have a dad story that needs to be shared. Um, I'm going to leave you with Temptations, Papa Was a Rolling Stone. Some powerful lyrics set to a nice, funky groove. And the song teaches if your dad was a bad example of a man, learn from him and do the opposite. Tell your dad, tell your friends, tell your friends' dads, and tell your dad's friends. Thanks. Enjoy. Hi, Simon. <laughs> Hi, Simon here, Vic's dad. You're listening to Father Figures on Sin Nation.